Hi, Bruno Jr. here. Our podcast, Busting Addiction and Smiths, is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com. SafeHouse believes that traditional treatments fall short of the needs of clients who face the modern problems of addiction. Modern problems need modern solutions. Multiple addictions, multiple relapses, multiple triggers, and cheaper and more powerful street drugs set up unprecedented challenges facing treatment centers. What is needed is a more sophisticated approach, a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. This is Episode 9, Season 8. Do not underestimate this disease. I decided to call my podcast Busting Addiction and Its Myths because there is so much to be said about addiction in all its forms, from drug and alcohol addiction to overeating, gambling, sex, spending, and debting, codependency, and more. There are as many myths about addiction as there are addictions that can be named and identified. So we not only battle the disease, we battle the many myths that obscure the truth about addiction itself. Myths are dangerous. Some myths are out-and-out untruths like this. Example, addiction is the province of weak people, people who have no willpower and are of low moral character. People who have the least bit of education know that this assertion would be laughable if it weren't such a dangerous idea. This myth keeps families enslaved to an idea that suggests that jail time is all it would take to straighten them out, when what is needed is compassion and treatment. Other myths are a lot more subtle, and I would like to address those sneaky, subtle myths today. Underestimating what families are up against sets them up for sure failure not far down the road. If they think that a few adjustments in circumstance and a good talking to is all that it takes, the disease is chuckling to itself as it says, Nice try, amateurs. Deborah J., author of a terrific book entitled No More Letting Go, states this, Most families still think that addiction is little more than a bad decision or an unfortunate turn down a wrong road. They take for granted that a little prodding, some tweaking, or a dose of admonishment should get the addict back in the right direction. They take their approach from an intellectual stance or a punitive one. The message is simply, shape up. We expect addicts to get their heads on straight, when the problem is that the family needs to get its own head on straight first. The family does not yet appreciate that their efforts are puny compared to what the enemy has at its disposal. Miss J continues, When we try to convince our loved ones to do the right thing, It is the addiction that responds. The disease is in the driver's seat, and it will not easily relinquish control. We must appreciate the power and cunning of this disease, or we will not prevail. One idea that occurred to me as I was researching this topic was, don't try this at home. By that I mean that amateurs need not apply, that homegrown remedies contain many impurities that may actually harm the patient, and that this situation calls for a professional. Misdiagnosing the disorder. Families often make the mistake of choosing a professional therapist or a counselor or even a psychiatrist who has no training or experience in addiction. So this is what happens most often. The professional, unquote, will look for the cause of the behavior in question. So he will treat the depression or anxiety or obsessive compulsive disorder 
as if they are causing the addiction itself, and he will not see addiction as the primary disorder. The addiction loves it because now it is off the hook until it is found out, if ever. So instead of planning a proper intervention, the addict is allowed to stay in his comfort zone and find a way to get his dope or alcohol because, believe me, he will. The disorder lies. It is extraordinarily difficult to find compassion for an addict or alcoholic who has caused so much pain and disappointment in the family. Feelings are hurt and hopes are dashed. What was once the promise of a bright future has turned to fear of what lies ahead. Families can defeat addiction if they work hard and work hard together. The disease of addiction protects itself by setting one family member against another, then finding safety by retreating into the chaos and confusion. It spins uncertainty, fear, and hopelessness. It tells us there's nothing you can do. It is lying to us yet again. The hardest thing to do is to change the way you think. The biting fear is that we will lose our identity if we make a radical change in our thinking. What are we if not a collection of attitudes and opinions? When we over-identify with our thoughts, we lose sight of the inner being. When we over-identify with being a respected member of our social class, we will respond to challenges in the way that is expected of us or in the way we think others expect of us. At that point, we are less likely to ask our conscience what the right, honest, well-informed, and compassionate answer should be. We are much more likely to act out on false pretenses, to respond out of fear of looking bad, to hide and denial out of shame that it did indeed happen to our family. Addicted to my opinion, I am fond of saying, Hi, I'm Bruno J, and I'm addicted to my opinion. To stay sane and spiritually healthy, I have to keep a completely open mind, where I see evidence that runs counter to my cherished beliefs, which might as well be called prejudices. I have to have the courage to see myself in the wrong about that. I have to practice the virtue of humility, which is also defined as teachability, that quality that allows us to grow to learn new and better ways of thinking and being. This is where we discard what no longer serves us as it once did. What were at one time survival skills when we were drinking and using and or in dysfunctional family situations are now seen as character defects. These include shape-shifting to fit our environment where we casually traded one value for another, people-pleasing to stay on the other's good side, denial when we were hurting because admitting that would have not been seen as cool, putting more effort into appearances than we could afford, and a list of fakery goes on. Of our true nature underneath the sham, we had little clue whether we were addicts or just people who happened to love one. Pain causes us to awaken. We had not yet experienced what recovering people called a spiritual awakening. It's said in our recovering circles that pain is the touchstone of spiritual progress. By that we mean that many of us will not change the way we think or act until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing. Even it means jumping into the abyss of the unknown. Sometimes the psychic pain is so intense that it causes a lightning bolt of insight to pierce our consciousness and we see what we need to see instantaneously. For me, it was a moment in time where in my desperation I thought, you know, maybe I do not have to live in insanity. Maybe all my mental problems are the direct result of all the alcohol and drugs I pumped into my brain. You know, it never occurred to me until that very moment. And the oddest thing is I was actually relieved because up to that moment of insight, I thought I was condemned to exist as a prisoner of quasi-schizophrenia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and depression. I kid you not. Were it not for intervention. 
I had not seen a way out of life as a bottom feeder, even though up to a few years before I bottomed out, I appeared to be a success as an ad man. And here's the important part as it touches our major theme. Were not for an intervention on the part of my company, by firing me and steering me to a counselor for help, I might have drifted along the bottom, considering suicide as the only logical ending to my intolerable pain. I experienced a spiritual awakening of what we call the educational variety, one small candle at a time, until there were enough candles to light up the darkest corners of my mind. In the book World Scripture, the author Robert Coleman speaks of a spiritual awakening as follows. The true self is suddenly revealed. The inner eye, which was blinded by the revilements of worldly living, opens to a vision of the true reality. From that moment, life can never be the same. William D. Silkworth, M.D., who began treating alcoholics in the 1920s and supported Alcoholics Anonymous in its earliest days, characterizes spiritual awakenings, which he called vital spiritual experiences, in the following way. They appear to be huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding force of the lives of those alcoholics are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. It appears to me that unless the family as a whole undergoes some type of spiritual change, it is nigh unto impossible for them to successfully intervene in such a way as to cause the addict or alcoholic to stop and make the U-turn. The family is the village. Therefore, it takes a village, in this case the family, to educate itself on the nature of the disease. Find a champion in the family who will lead the way plant seeds of hope, and begin to persuade the family to get out of lethargy born of despair and helplessness and form a plan of action. The enemy is inertia. So what have we learned about the power of addictive disorder? We learned that, one, it's easy to underestimate the cunning, baffling, and powerful nature of addiction and alcoholism if we are not made aware that it is relentless and progressive. Two, some families believe that a few adjustments are in order and that the addict just needs to shape up and all will be well. That is a most dangerous illusion. 3. The hardest thing to change is to change the way we think. We are addicted to our opinion until pain intervenes and forces us to re-examine our cherished beliefs and prejudices. 4. A spiritual awakening seems to be the only thing that will break through the inertia which stands in the way of meaningful change by the family and their loved ones. 5. Finding a champion may be just the catalyst the family needs to start intervening and building hope leading to the right and compassionate action. Our podcast is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at SafeHouseRehab.com.